Yo, it's your boy Roy, and it's another episode of Sync Gems. Hey, today we have Jelle Ditmar. He is a Dutch phenom. He's just a beast. You can see it on his socials. You can see his success. You can see the labels he works with. Again, he works with the big three, with the BMG, um, Warner Chapel. I'm not sure if he's worked with the Universal yet, but he's definitely on the way there. Uh, dude's killing it. Dude has worked on uh, video games as well. He's a self-taught piano player, which is just man it's it's mind-blowing to see what this dude has made from only his ears and heart we talk about things uh like why being yourself is your biggest asset we talk about composing from the heart we talk about the power of not quantizing we talk about real life connections versus email balancing front and back end in the work that you do we talk about saying no and earning more so i think just stick this one till the end i say it all the time but yeah these these guests are just something else if y'all dig this podcast please go ahead leave it a five star rating and a review if you are on apple if you are not go and give it a five star rating on spotify most important thing you can do is follow the podcast. If you didn't do the the other two, just follow the podcast. Follow it on socials. I um, on Instagram, I post updates all the time and just little chunks of wisdom that I get on my journey. So yeah, um, thank y'all for doing that. It's uh, episode fifty one. So. If y'all haven't been doing that, I would probably not be here right now. So keep doing that. Keep showing the love. And without further ado, my man, Yella. Hello. What is happening, brother? It's good. How about you? I'm doing amazing, man. I'm I'm happy uh, we finally get to connect after a while where yes. I've been I've been following your stuff and You've been, you've been, it, it's been looking that it, like you're, you're doing things the right way and you're, you're going big and not going home. I mean, you are home, but uh, <laughs> yes. um, you are definitely, you, you are definitely embracing the approach of, of just de- doing things big and from your social media presence to uh, the people who you work with. And we're going to get into that in this interview. I just want to to start by getting your your background, how you got, how you were brought up, and um, how you started with music, and how you got to where you are today. Well, it's a very long story, but I try to keep it as short as possible. Um, when I was eleven years old, I um, discovered I could play piano, and that when I heard a song, I could play it. Uh, within an hour. So the first thing I played on the piano ever was uh, Window to the Past from John Williams uh, from the movie Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. And then I, with Christmas, I got a, a better keyboard and I practiced, got a couple of piano lessons, uh, but actually I cannot read notes uh, still to this date because I just can't keep up with the concentration and the focus of sheet music. I can follow along when, when a recording session though. Uh, but 
after the piano lessons, I took some uh, uh, band practice sessions with a friend of mine, and I got into this band with um, uh, fellow uh, um, uh, people in the same age. And so we were basically, I was basically composing music for this band. I also did some orchestral work, and uh, when I discovered the movie Backdraft uh, by Ron Howard with the music from Hans Zimmer, that's when I got interested into getting into film scoring. Um, so I was composing for this rock band and composing orchestral music and practicing in that area. And then in 2018, when we had some uh, more uh, experience, I went to a demo day uh, with some major record labels in uh, Amsterdam. And they all said about the band, the rock band, it was mediocre. It was, uh, <laughs> it was not, really, not really their standard. But when I showed my orchestral music to BMG uh, in the, in, during that demo day, they were over the moon. So he, they, they basically offered me a, a free pitch, a demo, and then uh, we would see how it went from there. So I, I made some music, and then they said, your mixes are still below average so i had to um uh so I, I went to the sce in amsterdam which is the school of audio engineering and i did a fee uh, four-year uh, bachelor degree uh course for audio engineering uh, but already a couple of weeks in this program in this uh in the school my mixes improved significantly and in 2018 in december i think i got my first uh composer agreement with bmg uh, and that's how I uh, got started into the production music industry. And I've been doing that si ever since. Well, I, you did keep it short, but I'll, I'm, I'm interested <laughs> in a few things in there. Right, go ahead. So, so are you still, so you said you're still till this day playing music by ear? Yeah, I cannot read any notes. Wow. I know a bit wow. of musical theory, but uh, basically I compose from the heart and not from the mind. That's wow. how I always say it. <laughs> I don't know if it's yeah, correct. But, but. but like, I mean, especially with, I don't know, like c cinematic sounding music and things that are more technical, like I think about these as maybe I need to like practice scales, maybe I need to uh, uh, practice all these things. How, how'd that go about for you? Basically, I just compose when I, for example, compose orchestral music, I start with the drums and I start with a melody line on the piano. And then when I want to record strings, uh, I have a couple of good virtual plugins and then I, uh, I just use that. But it all basically comes automatically to me. I, I have, don't really have a process on how I compose. It just when I hear something that sounds good or decent. Um, I just start along composing it, it, It's just a natural process. I simply cannot describe how this process comes to be uh, when I compose orchestral music. It's just like listening. I always listen to my music very, very carefully. And if I hear a wrong note or something that's a little bit off, I just tweak it immediately because I can hear. Uh, I have a very good uh, hearing regarding music. And this is why I can listen to music and play it uh, on the keyboard an hour later. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's basically is a natural gift, I think. Uh, that's the best way to put it. I, I simply cannot describe how I compose my music because I mm. have no idea at all myself. <laughs> yeah, and that's amazing, man. I, I feel like um, that's how jazz came about, right? Like yeah. a lot of a lot of people who couldn't uh, basically 
um, buy to uh, buy tickets into shows, would sit outside of shows, and they would they would imitate what the other jazz yeah. jazz player was playing, and that then it became like this thing where people would actually uh, um, transcribe so much of a, a, another person, like a Coltrane or whatever, and then they would uh, they would put their flavor into it, and then they would become like the Thelonious monks or the, the, the even though like you can't bring a, a piano to the outside of a club, but you know, like people, uh, uh, the West Montgomery's and people who were who huge in the jazz um, thing just did it all by ears. And it's just like, it's so crazy to think about sometimes because they would do such complex things. Like if you go into it, like if you're, Uh, uh, very analytical. Oh my God, he did the flat nine here. And I don't know how he did it. He did it because he let it go. He let it all yeah. go. And it feels like that's what, that's what you do when you get into your, um, your creative, your creative uh, uh, oneness. Yeah, is, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So it's, like, yeah. It's, it's also like, I'm, I'm very inspired by multiple composers and I try to not, not imitate or copy them. Uh, I'm inspired by them. That's always the term I'm using. I'm inspired by them. And I'm also inspired by uh, bands, for example, Queen Genesis or uh, Fallout Boy even, Imagine Dragons. Um, so I'm, basically all these sounds I just get into uh, my head basically transcribes at, at some point into my music. Uh, at, but there was also a time when I really, when I started out into composing music, I wanted to have everything perfect. So I was really trying to make music sound as perfect as possible. And right now, when with more experience along the way, I try to experiment more with uh, uh, dissonant tones. Like I, I bought an electric cello. Uh, you can see over here in the corner. I cannot play it by the love of it, but I can make some very annoying, scratchy tones that are making its way into the music. And basically trying to do more sound design into my music, not making it as perfect as possible, not quantizing everything 100% to the beat. Even with strings, I did this uh, in the beginning, quantizing the strings in the piano 100%. But I, start, I started to feel that became more artificial and more robotic. Uh, so right now I don't quantize every, anything. I just play it in, with, for, especially with strings and piano, With drums, sometimes I quantize it 100%. Uh, but with violins, with piano, with guitar, I just don't quantize it anymore because it sounds more authentic, more original, and less robotic. Mm. So yeah, there's 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 the first pro tip. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I hope people are taking notes out here. Um, this is fire, man. This is fire. So like, how did you... So you started working with BMG. From there, what did it look like to to like making full time uh, 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 a full time living from sync or even a part time uh, living from sync? Because we all know that sync doesn't just come about and and sweep you away with uh, uh, um, uh, um, financial riches in the yeah, first yeah. five days. So yeah, absolutely. I mean the the time it takes for your royalties to get in is extremely long um but i i had a, a couple of jobs here in my hometown um and I, i i paid my college from it and that kind of stuff and then i, I still live with my parents and i decided uh because housing in the netherlands is extremely expensive right now uh but uh i i lived in the past four years i still live with my parents uh and i could 100% focus on sync music. This is basically a benefit I had 
that supportive parents that really uh, uh, said, well, go for it. And right now I'm able to make uh, a full-time income with it, uh, with Sync Music. Uh, so it takes a lot of time, a lot of dedication as well. And sometimes you just need to be completely crazy to just try and do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it comes to, it comes to, to talk about like supportive environments, which is so... Yeah. So, so, so important, man. Like Absolutely. I had to, I had to, my, I've always had a supportive environment, but uh, um, I felt like it was supportive, but it wasn't elevating me. Yeah. If that makes yeah, yeah. sense. So that's why I had to live, uh, to, to, to leave Israel just because I wanted, not because, not because people were bad there or unsuccessful. I, I was surrounded with a lot of very successful people, but something in what I was experiencing wasn't letting me uh, live to my full potential. Yeah. And, and and so for me, it was it was that. It was it was my, what made me who I am today. And I feel like that's a, a really powerful thing to double click on because if if the people around you don't really believe in your craziness, yeah. And in you buying an oud and starting to play uh, with it from from yeah from like from nothing, um, then yeah, then then maybe, I mean, I don't want to say for sure you gotta disconnect yourself and do whatever, but for for me it was definitely disconnecting. So I I, I definitely I resonate with yourself and, and with with you, and I feel like. Uh, um, People, people around me who are super supportive of me is an important thing. My my girlfriend right now is just like, I feel like she's one of the reasons why why I am uh, why I'm making more money as well because because it was just like the she believes in me so much that it was like if she believes in me so much I better believe in myself as much at least. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, basically, my, my my parents are my biggest critics, but also my biggest fans as well. Uh, my father, he knows earlier than the than me or the labels when my music gets placed because he's always looking on Google uh, if if there is a place with my music. So he's very on top of things. So yeah, I mean, my my parents are very supportive and. Basically, when I started out making music, I had nothing to lose. I had a, a, a couple of crappy jobs that just got me by. And then I just, just decided, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I better make some uh, work into it. And thanks to my family and my parents that were so supportive, I was able to make that happen. And there were a couple of times where I just thought, well, this is not going to work. I need to do something else or get a normal job. Um but it was because of the supportiveness from my parents and from friends uh, as well. And from the community, uh, from the composing community as well. I have a couple of friends in Germany, in the US, that are also very supportive. For, uh, they were supportive to me and they're still supportive. Um, and I think the, the, the boundaries, the borders have been shifted with the, uh, the coming of um, the internet and the online communities. Like, for example, Perspective on Facebook, which is a great source of knowledge. Um, and I think because of that part, the digital realm and the physical realm, the supportiveness in both areas really pulled me over the border to just focus on this full time. Yeah, yeah. Is is so? Was there like a moment for you where where you were like, "This is this is it," or or do you feel like it happened over time, kind of thing? Slow I think burn. it was all. I think it was always there that I just wanted to make 
uh, living out of music because music for me um, is is not only a way of just having good fun, but it's also a way of communicating. Uh, because I have autism and I've been diagnosed with autism for my entire life. Um, so basically, when I started making music uh, when I was 11, my empathy and my uh, personal development increased significantly. And basically, I was better in, uh, I was better, uh, how do you say the things? I was better at communicating through music than I was with, uh, uh, for example, spoken language. So thanks to music and thanks to watching a lot of films and games, I started to learn emotions better and it mm. made not only myself better, but also uh, my craft uh, also. Um, so basically, yeah, the, the feeling to do this full time was always there um, because there is nothing else I would, would want to do. <laughs> music yeah. is my living and music is part of my personality as well. Yeah, it's that last resort. It's that it's that there's no no other no other thing, which is uh yeah, it's kind of like the there's uh like burn the ships. Uh, I don't yeah, know if you know absolutely. it's kind of kind of like that where 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 you just say fuck it, like this is this is what I want whether I'll be yeah. uh, um a millionaire uh, a Hans Zimmer right now or just a, a, a another little composer. I was just thinking to myself because before this it's it's so cool that we can make music and stay kind of behind the scenes and 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 sometimes make like a, a an honorable and sometimes five six figures a year from 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 being in the backgrounds and just doing our thing yeah. and that's uh that's crazy because you know like for people who let's say in in covid where where uh, people didn't have jobs right like people didn't have jobs for two years like people like you and me had more jobs than ever Absolutely. because because things have have been more active in that realm and and stuff like that so th that's super imp interesting to me you know it's also funny that you mentioned that you uh, when you're starting out you want to become the next Hans Zimmer uh, you want to become a millionaire. I mean, for me, it was never about uh, becoming a millionaire or becoming rich with music. Uh, I was mm. already happy if I just had my studio and my my own home. Uh, but mm. there was a company when I was uh, during COVID in the first uh, couple of lockdowns of COVID when that happened. I wanted to work with real orchestras, and I uh, knew a library. I'm not going to say the name. I knew a library that uh, was able to provide that just through. For example, audio movers and Zoom, so you could record real orchestras from the comfort of your home, um, because they were recording with musicians in a country that wasn't very strict on the on the rules and lockdowns. Yeah. So when I was uh, interviewing with this this company, they asked me, "Do you want to become the new Hans Zimmer?" And I told them, "I don't want to become the first of the the new Hans Zimmer because he's already around. He's doing his stuff and he's there." I said, I want to become the first Jelle Dittmar. And I think this attitude is so critical in being seen as a professional because you know that you have a certain sound that you might think people are interested in. And when I said this, they basically hired me on the spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so basically course. stay true to yourself and don't try to copy or imitate someone else. I mean, you can be inspired by other artists or other composers, but always try something new and refreshing and bring something original to the table as well. It sounds like it sounds like you're kind of you're coming from a, a place of 
you're doing networking, what people call networking. I don't like that term, but I will just use it for because that's what people know it as. But it seems like you connect with people both online and offline. Like I see yeah. you, I, I see you very, I, it looks like you're everywhere and anywhere at the same time. You know what I mean? Like and yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a great thing to portray, I feel like. Um, on in a, in a very in a very uh, uh, lonely bedroom producer kind of uh, kind of world that that we have. How do you go about um, real life connections versus emails and versus uh, um, online? Yeah, well, basically, when I start working with a label, it's always through email. When I'm pitching a demo. Um, it, it's always through email with a, I, I use real crafter, uh, for my demo reels and my audio reels. Um, and then I just sent them to them. And when I look at the label, I always look at what they have done with the companies they work for. Uh, and if it's something that I could, uh, provide anything interesting to. So I'm not going to email a label that specializes in hip hop or in pop rock because that's not what I do. So when I approach a label, I always look if it's, uh, anything that I can provide to them. And if it's something that they can use to, to get some placements to, because if it, it doesn't provide any placements and it's just sitting on the bench, it doesn't do anything, it doesn't generate money. So it's not of interest to me and not of interest to the label. But when I have established this connection, uh, a good example was that I went to uh, Los Angeles, to LA in the, for, my, for the first time in September. And uh, basically I just scheduled appointments with labels, uh, with libraries, um, to just meet up with them because it's so important. You know that you know each other through email and social media, but it's so important to just meet each other in real life, in real person, because it's way different than online. So I always try to strike a good balance between online networking and offline networking. I think mm. it's uh, very good. I mean, there was a, a conference uh, a week ago or this week, no, last week, uh, at the Amsterdam Dance Events, and there was a panel with uh, or a conference with all composers, music supervisors. And I just went there because you never know when you're going there, who you meet, and what what fruitful relationship will come out of that. So it's very important to just go to real time conferences uh, as well. Where that's amazing, man. That's amazing. That's exactly it. Yeah, so I saw again in your in your socials. It was great and. Uh, yeah, I, I was just talking to to my friend uh, Eric Bolivar last last uh, week or in the, uh, a few weeks ago, and we were we were sitting at his spot, um, and because I was I was for the first time in my life in LA, actually a bit after you were in LA, so I was there for PMC and uh, yeah, I saw and just just met all the labels that I've worked with and. It just deepens the connections so 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 much. I'm gonna uh, like my my episode fifty for the podcast is with with uh, uh, somebody who's become a dear friend of mine, uh, Tom from from Brand X, and and it, it's just like you know meeting him in real life just justified what I felt when I was interviewing him online, and it was like what a cool dude. I want to know this person, and then meeting that person in real life is just, it, it amplifies it, you know? And it could also, it could also uh, upset, but it, it usually yeah, amplifies. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, there are some relationships I have in my network where I can communicate better through email or uh, online than in personal because uh, they're 
or silent or just not uh, very talkative. But on email, we just are to the point, we get the job done. And it just depends on the person you work with, um, what works best. For me, emails always work good uh, because I can think about a reply. And when I'm in real life communicating, like what we're doing right now, even, um, I can sometimes be impulsive. Uh, so I always like an email because I can think about what I'm going to say. Uh, and this right. is sometimes also uh, very good for, uh, yeah, it, ju- it just depends on the person you're talking to. But yeah, I also it, I, I it, had a, a, a trip to uh, North Macedonia when we were recording a um an album for BMG with live strings and the A&R manager that I knew from the beginning when I started out with BMG, he uh, offered to go with me on that trip and to help me and to aid me into uh, uh, with, with the recording process. And I think the connection there also became stronger than just communicating through email. So yeah, it, it of just course. Depends. Yeah. And it's like, these are the things that, uh, um, that make or break relationships and also like they help when you, Let's say that person from BMG now starts his own thing, right? Like you are going to support him for sure because he's the homie now and he is going to support you because he's been on BMG and he knows his thing. He knows his deal. So that that's a huge thing, man. That's that's huge. Absolutely. I mean, basically it's, it's all depends on uh, regarding your connections. I mean, I, it's, it's, Basically, this industry is so um, connected with all the networking and that kind of stuff. It's basically essential if you want to survive in this industry to have a strong network, but also to be kind yourself. I mean, always stay respectful towards each other. Um, I had some libraries that uh, I don't have a a connection with anymore for any reason you can think of. Um, But it's, uh, it's very, very important to stay humble in this industry, to be respectful of each other's boundaries as well, and just be a great guy to work with. Um, and that also adds up to if you have a job that you don't think you can do, uh, just do it. Um, I always live by the credo from Master Yoda from Star Wars, do or do not, there is no try, uh, because mm. you are the guy they are coming to and you need to get stuff done. Um and this is also very important. Just get the, the, the job done is also a very important term in this industry. Mm. So like, how does your time, what, what does your day look like today? Because we were talking before that and you were t- telling me that you basically don't have time for breaks, which I, I'll, 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 probably, I'll probably implore you to, to put some breaks in your day yes. from like, just like, <laughs> like a health standpoint. But um, how, how does your time, how do you divide your time uh, within this sync realm nowadays, uh, yeah. I mean, like between between libraries, between like paid and unpaid gigs, and and you know, like upfront and royalties. How do you divide that and really make sense out of it? Yeah, currently I am trying to do more in balancing uh, personal life and working uh, life uh, because when I started out, I was just composing every day of the of the week and basically every hour in the day. Um, but right now I'm trying to strike a better balance. So currently I'm, um, starting at around nine with my work and then stop at four or five. I always said, I never want to have a nine to five job in my life, but right now it's, it's the best way to strike a balance between personal life and, uh, work life. So that's basically the time I'm using, um, but I still work basically every day of the week, except on the weekends. 
but if there is a job coming that has a strict deadline, I make an exception for that. But basically, that's very important because I was always making music, always making music. And at some point, I always, uh, I almost struck burnout. Uh, so uh, it's very important to just dial it down a bit because you need to keep this up for the rest of your life. So striking a good balance in the beginning of your career is very important. Um, but yeah, regarding uh, royalties and upfronts and that kind of stuff, I'm mainly working on gigs that provide royalties, like for BMG, library music, I, I do that. Uh, there are a couple of libraries I work with that provide upfronts, uh, but they are becoming more and more uh, less in the in the in the couple of years, uh, there are not many libraries anymore that provide upfront fees. But the ones that still do, I cling to life uh, to to work with them um, because it really helps. But basically, the more music you create on the back end and it delivers more on the back end, um, I, th- I have the feeling I go all over the place with my uh, with my <laughs> with my. No, uh, no, you're killing it. No, <laughs> you are ki- um, you are absolutely killing it. Keep going. Thanks. But basically, with royalties, the main projects I do are a combination between upfronts and uh, a lot of the backends, basically, a lot of backend royalties. And I did, just did my first video game as well uh, for Atari. That was basically an upfront. Uh, there are no royalties over there, but I do keep uh, the, the Spotify royalties. Um, but yeah, that's basically the, the balance I have a little bit um, regarding the, the, the types of gigs I do. Some provide upfront, but the most are just for the back end. That's amazing. How'd you how'd you get and land that Atari gig? That was basically uh, also due to networking. I have a composer friend, uh, Tom Schipper. He's a very good composer, and he's a king in traditional composing. He he does know music theory, and he is an amazing composer uh, and a, a great friend uh, also. Um, and he basically um, has uh, a connection with Atari with their uh, uh, A&R manager for the music uh, department or the head of production. And they wanted him to create the music for that game. And he said, well, that's not the style that I am comfortable writing in, but I know that Yella uh, is a composer that can do that. So I pitched a demo to to them. I started uh, talking with them through email. And within a couple of weeks, I got the gig. So it was due to networking that I got that gig. Yeah, it's 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 um so so in in I think it's gonna be like two weeks back from when this episode comes out. I talked to Eric and we were talking about the the value of slow burn relationships and and what we were speaking to is that when you have people who vouch for you, who put their name on the line with uh, uh, by t- saying your name and standing behind it like risking their relationship for putting your name in front of them. This, this, I, like for me, this, mm, I, I, okay, I'll, I'll say it, I'll phrase it like this. For me, it only happens through people I've met in real life. Yeah. And true. because because they know you're good at what they do, but they also know how you feel. Like they also know how you sound. They also know how you talk when you're impulsive. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we, yeah, we were talking absolutely. about, we were talking about like the emails and stuff like that. And and yeah, like in email, we can edit everything we we're saying and be like so professional and so like this and so like that. But this all goes out the window when you go into an event, right? Like the 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 thing with the the funny thing with like networking events and, and that you see 
the room is usually um, divided to two people, the people who are there to pitch and the people who are there to connect. Um, that's how it felt to me in PMC. That's what how it always feels, it feels to me. And usually from my uh, uh, 32 years on this earth, people who come to connect are in for that slow burn relationship and they are in and they know the value of somebody putting their name on the line for you and they know how to put another person's name on the line when they need to so Absolutely. yeah it's, a, it's huge what you're saying huge yeah and, and basically if people do put your or their name on the line you better not screw it up man <laughs> mm. because i with the, the atari gig i was so nervous and uh, I was very, and when I'm getting nervous, I'm getting very excited about uh, the gigs. And in the early days of my career with libraries and that kind of stuff, I, I obviously made mistakes. Um, and I did some projects that, well, right now I think, oh, that could have been so much better. Um, but it's also a growing process. Um, and basically, when people trust you enough, you already have uh, proved yourself that you are reliable and that you can provide quality. Because otherwise, I wouldn't do it. So when people um, trust trust me enough on their project, I already know. Well, I did a good job somewhere else. Let's make this one count as well. So yeah, it's it's very difficult to um, yeah just not just don't screw it up. Basically, if if someone putting your their name on the line, a hundred percent. And also, I mean, like present yourself as your as your as I think another thing comes up is present yourself as your your don't only put put your fo- uh, your, your best foot fo- forward maybe in the beginning you should but you know like even your friend it shows maturity to to go up to a company like Atari and saying I'm not comfortable uh producing in that in that uh, um style yeah and and I feel like that's a big power as well yeah like you know do uh, how did you say the Yoda the Yoda um do or do not there is no try do or do not there's not there's no trying and I mean, like if there's a way to try, then try it. Oh, but absolutely. exactly, but exactly like if you know that it's a do or do not and you're closer to the do not, then just do not. Yeah. And also yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I had this interesting conversation at uh, the Amsterdam Dance events uh, with a uh, composer. Um, and he said to me that uh, his worth, basically his brand worth, uh, became more uh, because he sometimes just says no. And when you say no, then people realize, oh, he has knowledge about himself, what he can or cannot do. So, and basically every time he said no to a company, his salary went up a little bit. Uh, So Mm. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) I need to uh, experience that for myself as well. (laughs) Shit, I'm Uh, I'm starting to say no to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be a millionaire next year. Absolutely. I mean, basically it helped him to uh, be a more creditable source in the trader branch because he works in traders. And when he said no, um, he only got the gigs that he actually wanted to do, but he also got paid more. I don't know how he did it, but it's something I also need to do more often because most projects I say yes because I just like everything so much. Uh, but the projects, that, I mean, I'm saying no more often right now because I've done a lot of solo piano albums uh, because I, my, my main instrument is piano. Um, and at some point, it just felt like an office job, like cranking out track after track. And right now, I'm saying no to basically anything that has solo piano in it because it becomes mm. it becomes so boring at some point. And it's also something it's it's 
you need to keep this job up for the rest of your life if you're planning to do this for the rest of your life, of course. Um, so you need to keep things uh, more interesting for yourself as well. Um, and this is why I collaborate with a lot of different artists. Uh, I Currently, I did an album with a Amsterdam beat maker that samples all kinds of uh, street sounds and he makes very ambient uh, sounding beats. Uh, his name is uh, Zach Massagrande and he's a very, very good producer. Um, and I basically worked on that album with him. Uh, he made the electronic beats and I did the orchestral uh, sound beds for that. And it turned out to be a very, very interesting album. And that album is hopefully coming out next month. Um, nice. But I also did some other stuff. I, I'm currently working on an Americana uh, album or trailer album uh, with someone here in my local town that plays uh, a lot of Americana uh, instruments like mandolin, uh, lap steel, string guitar, dobro as well, banjo, and basically collaborate with as much people as you can because it not only broadens your sound palette, but it also makes it more interesting for yourself. And you learn so much from those collabor- collaborations uh, by working with different people. Um, so yeah, collaborations is also something that I would recommend uh, doing. And also I worked on, um, it's also a very nice story, there is a composer uh, that worked on PlayStation on the, the Horizon uh, series, like Horizon Zero Dawn Forbidden West, and he wanted to do more um, production music. So I brought him in, and then um, I cannot tell you what we did, but it's crazy. It's absolutely mental. Uh, a lot of percussion, orchestral instruments, and that is um, hopefully coming out next year. But this is one of the best albums I've done in my entire career, uh, just because I decided to collaborate with someone else on an album. Yeah. And I I think this is uh, an industry where a lot of people bring a lot of people up. It's like almost unusual. And it's it's great. Like also, I think I told you, uh, um, I think I, no, we didn't talk about it, but in, in PMC, I would see like the best of the best uh, library owners just sitting with each other and playing the guitar and playing yeah. music and just like chilling and and really like not the, the last thing I felt when I was there was that there's competition between those people. Um, it seems like they love each other more than they compete with each other, which is it's a very unique thing. Um, and man, like you're speaking my language with with the collaboration. Uh, um, the feeling to do things by myself was so, so, uh, I think it's the Taurus in me. I'm a Taurus and, and Tauruses are known to be very, very, um, stubborn. And, uh, and I feel like, uh, um, doing by, things by myself, try to kind of validated something like it, it, it gave me like an ego boost or whatnot that I can do this or whatnot, but you know what? Go now, now I I almost don't do things by myself. Like to be honest, uh, I do when it's like maybe guitar ambient stuff that I can just crank, like you said. But uh, um, the most interesting things come out to the world. There is no pop song that you hear on the radio that was made by one person. Maybe, maybe okay, like Bonnie Vare. Maybe uh, the dude from Tame Impala, I always forget his name, but like, there's a few people who can who can really do it all. And I'm not sure they also mix their all their stuff. But anyway, uh, um, hearing something that I make interpreted by something else, there is nothing that brings me more joy, to be honest. Like even if it's shit, 
Yes. Even when it's shit, like it's, it's so it's so it's like hilarious. It's like wow, that's what he thinks. That's that's a piece of shit. But you know, like it's it's still cool to see that that's what this person interprets it as. And and um, I mean, like also, I'm going on on this a bit of a rant, but you know, like. Uh, um, f through this podcast, I've met so many amazing people who 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 come up to me. They listen to my stuff. They're like, "I want to work with you." Here's a few, here are a few things I can always tell. You know, like it's 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 something that I feel like people can people kind of um, they become better at at noticing the bullshit. Um, you know, uh, because there are people who are just like, "Hey, Roy," and then they give you their pitch email, right? Like on LinkedIn, oh, yeah. it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's lovely. Um, but but you know, like I, I have a lot of people who who approach me through this, and they get they take a listen to what I do. They come up to me, they say, "Hey, I think these five tracks would actually really fit you. Do you think that that we can do something with it?" And and then I'll go like, either nah, that's not that's actually not the direction, or hell yeah there's a label that i'm working with that actually works on uh, that actually gave me a brief for this let me let me let me spit something on this and I'll, i'll i'll send it back to you and then it's just like this creative loop this this is what i do what i do for you know what i mean like i'm not i'm not i'm not doing this to sit in my room for for a nine to five i didn't start doing this because of that no absolutely not i mean There's always, I, I mean, you probably get a lot of LinkedIn direct messages, uh, uh, but I'm, yeah, it's I'm, because I'm a composer, I get those significantly less uh, and I'm not very, but it started to occur to me that a lot of those direct messages that people send to me that they want to work with me, often they don't even know what I'm doing because I've got a lot of direct messages on LinkedIn and it's all... Um, also bedroom producers and it's perfectly fine but they are in a complete different genre and they have probably not even listened to my own music or listened to what I do they only see the success stories but they haven't listened right. to my music and this is something right. that i also am seeing in the direct messages on linkedin uh just that's a yeah that's a, as a recurring theme on the podcast is like what's the biggest problem about about being famous like the biggest problem about being famous is that people don't know you and they want a piece of you all the time And like, I can imagine, man, because again, like on LinkedIn, you look like you're, 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 it doesn't only look, I'm just, like, you're basically like killing it and you're doing it right. And people want a piece of that. So it, it would make sense to me. Yeah, it's also, um, I'm gonna you, I'm gonna send you something, bro. I want you to rap on my tracks. Is yeah, that right? Like I'm not a rapper. I'm a <laughs> classical composer or a cinematic composer. So it, it's something that you should be very aware of because when you get success, you really need to be careful that people do not take advantage of you. And this is still I'm I'm not saying I'm famous or that I'm uh, the best in the industry or that I'm or big in the industry. I I think I'm doing okay. Um, but it's something that I'm starting to get more aware of that people want something from you there when they're, it's, it's always when I get a DM or I get an email, I always have this feeling right now that they want something from me and I always need to try to shake that feeling off. Uh, but there have been a couple of times that people, um, uh, pass the, the quality mark and then still try to, um, yeah, to rip me off or something like that. There was a composer in LA Uh, they wanted to work with me and he sound, it sounded very interesting what he sent it to me and I said yeah let's work on something together I say uh, send me the stamps you have and then the first um, notification in my head from this can be wrong he sent me mp3s for the stamps mm. and like this is a quality check error 
uh, don't send ever send uh, some uh, MP3s. And I said, how many um, libraries did you work for? How many albums for libraries did you work for? And I never got a reply to that. So I Googled his name in BMI and discovered there was no composer with his name or aliases uh, in the BMI register on Songview. So this was basically, I said, well, according to BMI, you never worked on the library at all. You, never, you don't have any tracks in BMI as well. And I never heard from him again. So it's very, very important to just to, to stay aware when you're getting bigger or more successful in the industry. So stay aware, but always try to see the best in people. I mean, that balance is also very, very important to have. Yeah, seeing, I feel like seeing the balancing, the seeing a person for, and, and their talents and their, and their uh, personality and also seeing where they're at because sometimes it's nice. Like, I, I mean, man, it's, it's so nice to bring people up. It's, it feels amazing, but they need to be in the place where they can do the work. Yeah. Um, which, which, yeah, it's that, that is the thing that I feel like I'm doing the podcast for, for people who are maybe not there yet and can, can say, I'm not there yet. Just like, again, just like your friend with Atari, he's like, I'm not, I'm not making this right now. So I'm, 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 I'm passing this to my homie and being able to have that, that humility, that, that humbleness, that ability to say, Hey, this guy is up there. I want to work with him one day. Um, but right now I don't have a BMI registration. This person is probably burnt forever. The guy who, yeah. who sends you the MP3s and that I mean, sucks. I don't even remember his name. It was like, like a very yeah, but quick collaboration or something. And 100%. it's just like, it passed on and it was a mistake from, from my side, but maybe from his side as well. I don't know. Um, but, but that's, but that's how, humble. yeah. Yeah, but that's that's how people uh, burn bridges. Like especially like you hear you hear it a lot from libraries and from supervisors. Uh, supervisors are very 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 big like that with people burning like people burn bridges with them without knowing because they just put their stuff in spam. So they're they're, they're no more in their in their uh, inbox. And I mean, it kind of sucks to to do work for nothing. So just I feel like. What I what I get from this this um, conversation with you is just like be intentional, be humble, and and do the work. Like that's these are I feel like these are the three, the big three that I'm I'm kind of hearing for you and uh, from you, and I'm 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 loving I'm loving how you speak to it because you speak with so much maturity, and uh, it feels like I know like it doesn't feel like I know that you're gonna. You're gonna be doing really, really big things in the coming years. So Thank I'm, you, I'm Thanks. super excited to see, uh, <laughs> to to see that, to see that unfold in front of my eyes. And I, I'll encourage my, my people to follow you. So, like, what's um, what's on the horizon for you? What's next for you? Currently, I just try to deliver all the albums that I have scheduled right now in a uh, timely manner. Um, but I'm really trying to get more into video games. So I'm trying to, um, I'm, I'm still doing library music because library music is such a great, fun thing to do. Um, and I'm trying to get more into games uh, at the same time as well. In the next couple of five years, I'm really trying to get a, to, to build my own studio. And a, a long-term vision that I have for the longer uh, term of my life is to build a studio or a workplace where people with autism in my hometown um, can come to make some music, take a share in the royalties as well, 
and just have a great time making music because for me music was such a great way of changing my personality it was such a great way to improve my personality as well and i want to give this chance to more people uh, with autism and i know a lot of people with autism because i'm still working at the school that i was uh, studying at here in my hometown a special education school and i know a lot of uh, i see a lot of kids with talent but they never get the the, uh, the possibility to develop a talent or to get into music uh, in a, on a professional way. So I'm trying to build a studio here in my hometown of Emmelord. Uh, no one has heard of that town at all. They always say, when I say from the Netherlands, they'll say, oh, you're from Amsterdam. Yeah, one hour drive. But um, basically, I'm trying to build a studio where people with autism or with any other disability can come to make music and basically can share in the royalties as well uh, and try to make... Um, Try to provide them with the, the tools to um, get by in this in this world. So it's basically a long term vision uh, that I have for the for the future. That's amazing, man. So like I've I've started doing something on the podcast, and I ask one thing: what what's what what's something you're really grateful uh, grateful for? I can do this for for the rest of my life. I mean, uh, currently I've um, a lot of production music uh, libraries that I work for, I only have to send one email and I've, I've worked for the rest of the week, um, if I'm not careful. Um, so being, I'm, I'm very grateful of the network that I've built and all the amazing people I've met along the way. And basically that I can do this uh, every day uh, for, as a living. That's, that's something I'm truly grateful of. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Uh, where can people pull follow you? They can follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Jelle Ditmar. Uh, I mean, I don't know if uh, I need to spell it, but uh, my English spelling is very, very bad. Uh, but Jelle Ditmar, they can follow me on LinkedIn, on Instagram. Uh, they can follow me on Spotify as well uh, to listen to my music. And those are basically the main three platforms they can follow me. Amazing, man. Thanks so much for coming on. I'll put yes, all the details you. in the I'll put all the details in the show notes. And yeah. man, thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. Yo, if you enjoyed this, please give it a five-star rating and a review on Apple if you can. Also, share it on your socials. It really helps. It really, really helps. And it counts. And just let me know what you thought about this on socials. And I love you. See you on the next one.